Attempting to change the system takes perseverance and resilience. And that's exactly what these Missourians are made of. I'm Kate Bagley, and this is Year After Year, stories of Missourians fighting to change the system. In this episode, we follow one woman as she tries to make sure what happened to her husband in a nursing home never happens again. Reporter Camden Jones has the story. I'm here this morning on behalf of my husband, who was neglected and passed away a short time later. He had served his country as both a Marine and in the Army. His country did not serve him. We the people are here today to It's March 27, 2018. The Missouri House of Representatives Crime Prevention and Public Safety Committee is holding a public hearing for House Bill 1916. Here's how these things usually go. Citizens and lobbyists testify for or against a bill, a rep cracks a joke, and the committee chair tries to move things along. But today, things get a little more heated than usual. You all probably know me by now. I've contacted every representative and senator within the House. And the reason for that is because I'm really... We should know you, but did you give us your name? No, but I will now. Okay. It's Martha Udaly. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Udaly a St. Louis resident and retired medical transcriptionist, has come to the hearing to speak her mind. You are serving us. We are the people. You are here to take care of us. And you let us down year after year after year. People suffer, people are raped, people die. And we all are aware of it. That is the problem. If you're aware of that and you do nothing, then you have to live with your conscience as the people who are there to respect us and take care of us. We put you there. I am sorry to be loud, sir. It's not disrespectful. It's telling you what you already know. I appreciate your passion. You're not here to dress us down. You're here to tell us what's on your mind about this particular bill. Because this is not helping, I can tell you. I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry, but it wasn't helpful to me when my husband was neglected in a home and I watched him suffer through the hospitalization. Many residents of nursing homes are abused and neglected, data shows. One possible solution advocates have supported is allowing family members to install cameras in residents' rooms. House Bill 1916 would allow families to do this, but there's a catch. The nursing home would need to sign off on the camera. That power, the ability to control whether cameras would actually be placed in rooms, watching the residents and the workers, was a sticking point for the industry. Udaly attended the committee hearing to voice her opposition to House Bill 1916 because it would take power away from the families. Camera legislation that gives families the final say has been approved in other states, but it has faced stiff resistance from a powerful industry in Missouri, the nursing homes. The industry worries cameras could violate people's privacy, leaving the homes open to lawsuits. Also, an industry lawyer told me, quote, cameras don't prevent abuse. At the end of the 2018 legislative session, neither measure was passed, but House Bill 1916, the one the industry approved of, got further along in the process. For Udaly, this outcome meant another legislative session gone by with no camera bill. But she's used to it. She's been fighting for this since her husband died in 2010, after, she says, he was neglected in a nursing home. 
my husband in 1957. And uh, I was going to the show with my friends, and we came out, and he was standing there with his friends, and he came over and said, hello. Mm -hmm. And that's how I met him. And he was in the military at the time, so uh, he wasn't around much, you know. And then uh, he was, uh, I don't know, it took us about three to four. Udaley's husband, Tom, developed a blood pressure problem in 1974. It was all over the place, she says, and would go from low to high with little warning. Then there were seizures and several other symptoms. He had a hard time standing and walking. His balance was off. He couldn't see very well at night because it affected his vision. It affected a lot of his masculinity as well. Uh, at uh, one point in time, we had taken the children to the drive-in to see this Disney movie and they were uh, coming on with some commercials and he had a grand mal seizure. I had never seen one before, but I did know from working in hospitals and so on, the only thing that I did was jump up on his lap and try to put a handkerchief there and tried to prevent him from biting or swallowing his tongue. And the children are all in the back seat going crazy and the lady in the car next to us, I'll never forget. I'm sorry to do. She's looking at me like, really? In front of your children? Well, she had no idea. The children are back here and we're up here. So that was a little comical to me. But uh, he- As Tom's ailment kept getting worse, Udaley took him from doctor to doctor, trying to figure out what was wrong. Eventually, she took him to the National Institutes of Health and in two weeks, they had a diagnosis, multiple system atrophy, also known as Scheidrager syndrome. According to the Mayo Clinic, it's a degenerative neurological disorder that affects involuntary body functions, like blood pressure and muscle control. Tom eventually had to stop working. Udaley worked two jobs to make up for the loss, caring for Tom and her four kids by herself. Yeah, I, I watched this big, beautiful Marine just go like this. And, he daily uh, dropped her shoulders and slumped down in her seat. He got to the point where our doctor felt I needed some relief. So he said, you know what? He said, we're going to have to get some rehabilitation for him because he was feeling he couldn't walk. And I'm trying to manipulate this man around so he decided that uh, he would go into a long-term care facility for rehab only. Udaley took Tom to a nursing home in town and country, a suburb in St. Louis County. One evening after work in 2010, Udaley drove to the home to visit Tom. I walked down the hall and I noticed the door to his room was closed. And I thought, how odd, maybe they're doing something. But then I, I smelled this horrible stench. I knocked on the door, nobody answered, and I pushed it open, and he's sitting in the middle of the room in his wheelchair with his head down, and he's not moving, he was lifeless. And I screamed, I thought he was gone. I went in the room, and I could see he was breathing, and I thought, oh my God. And a couple of the aides came in, and the one, and I'm not a violent person, I'm too small. 
<laughs> Someone could step on me. Um, the lady comes to me and she says, well, he gets up in the middle of the night and he turns off the air conditioning. This was in a, in a very hot day in July. He turns off the air conditioning and shuts the window. I was so angry. I didn't know what to say because he hadn't walked. And I just screamed at her, get out of here. <laughs> get out. If I would be a man, I'd probably be very violent with you at this point in time. She left, and uh, the other aide was uh, saying, well, I've got to get him up and into the bed. And I ran down the hall, and there was no one there at the station. I'm thinking, where is everybody, you know? So I... I go back in the room and she's picking him up. And when she picks him up, there was so much feces that he'd been sitting in. It came through the material and slid down the wheels of the wheelchair onto the floor. And she laid him up there where she had the, the towels and everything. And I just, I, I felt like I was in some kind of a horror movie, you know? And I just looked at her and I said, how did this happen? And she's looking at me like, duh. You know, I mean, it's like, she doesn't know what to say. You daily wanted to take Tom out of the home, but she was worried she wouldn't be able to afford it because the hospital she worked for was paying for Tom's stay. He stayed there until Father's Day when Martha got a call from the staff. They told her Tom had to be sent to a hospital since he had a high fever. He was transferred around to various facilities over the next few months and died on July 28, 2010. Here's a man that gave his life, I mean, you know, should have been for his country. I can't believe this. I'm sorry. But instead it was for neglect. What? Is that? I don't understand that at all. Abuse in nursing homes has been a problem for years. According to the National Center on Elder Abuse, a study of 2,000 nursing home residents conducted in the year 2000 found that 44% said they had been abused and 95% said they had been neglected or seen another resident neglected. The center also cites a 2010 study showing that over 50% of nursing home staff admitted to mistreating older patients within the prior year and two-thirds of those incidents involved neglect. The National Center on Elder Abuse also cites a 1993 survey of certified nursing assistants that found that 17% had pushed, grabbed, or shoved a nursing home resident, 51% reported they had yelled at a resident, and 23% had insulted or sworn at a resident. Although her husband died of his illness, Udaley believes what happened at the home didn't help. Had he been tended to more appropriately, she says, he may not have needed to be sent to the hospital and then transported from facility to facility. She says his illness made him fragile, which meant the neglect had an especially strong impact on him. Because he was fragile, maybe for someone else it wouldn't have affected him as badly. But they were in a position to help him. And they took advantage. And they didn't help him. They hurt him. And they're in a business where... That's not what they're supposed to do. Udaley never got a lawyer and never tried to press charges against the home. She felt money wouldn't make up for the loss of her husband, so instead, 
she decided to try to prevent other nursing home residents from being neglected. She spent time researching abuse in nursing homes. She says she's collected more than 20 pounds of paperwork over the years, and she investigated avenues she could take to increase nursing home accountability. Udaley began looking into the possibility of surveillance cameras, speaking to others online about the idea. That's how she met John Schwatt, a lobbyist who was working with the Electronic Security Association at the time. He helped Udaley figure out how to get through to legislators in order to make a change. Every year since 2010, she has called every Missouri representative and senator to try to convince them to support a camera bill. And in 2015, freshman representative Andrew McDaniel, a Republican, sponsored the Patient Monitoring Act. He sponsored camera bills for the past four sessions, but they all died in committee. In 2017, the advocates at Voice took notice of Udaley's work. Voice, that's V-O-Y-C-E, is an organization that works to advocate for nursing home residents as part of Missouri's long-term care ombudsman program. Mary Lynn Fonda Donovan, Voice's executive director, said the organization supports the measure. It allows them to have a means of protection and deterrence of abuse and theft, and it also can really provide a greater sense of safety. Uh, Residents and their families would be able to monitor their belongings, uh, can monitor quality of care that is received, It also can confirm or disprove allegations of elder abuse. Cameras are not going to be a replacement uh, for the personal involvement of staff and family members, Um, but they can provide a very important tool Uh, which could uh, allow government enforcement or regulation of of quality care. Even with Voice's support, a camera monitoring bill has yet to pass. The opposition to these bills comes from the Missouri Healthcare Association, the nursing home industry's lobbying arm. In 2018 alone, the association spent more than $4,000 lobbying lawmakers. In the 2016 state house elections, it handed out about $360,000 in campaign contributions to Republicans and Democrats, according to the Missouri Ethics Commission. According to the association, the fact that a person is in a nursing home is protected health information, so if someone other than the resident who installed the camera enters a camera-monitored room without consenting to being recorded, it could potentially present legal problems that the home would be liable for. All of this means cameras are currently approved on a case-by-case basis, and different homes have different policies, according to the association. Harvey Tettelbaum, the association's outside general counsel, says residents' rooms are legally more akin to hospital rooms than apartment bedrooms. They aren't private in the same way that a normal bedroom is, since the facility has a responsibility of oversight, he told me. Udaley and Fonda Donovan, however, believe residents should have the right to install cameras in their rooms regardless because, practically speaking, the rooms of their homes. You know, if a resident lived in a private home, they would have the right to have surveillance to monitor a home health aide that they had hired to come in and deliver care. So we believe that they should have the same option in their home in a long-term care facility. In-room cameras could even help staff members, Udaley says, by exonerating them when they are falsely accused of theft or abuse. Plus, there's a precedent for this kind of monitoring. Several states have passed camera bills, including Louisiana, Texas, Illinois, New Mexico, Oklahoma, and Washington. The Missouri Healthcare Association has opposed camera bills that proposed such a law in the past, 
and only supported a bill Representative McDaniel sponsored in the 2018 session that allowed nursing homes to have the final say. Tettelbaum, who agreed to an interview on the condition that we not include recordings of his voice on the podcast, said the only way to ensure everyone's rights are protected is to give the ultimate control of whether or not the cameras are installed to the nursing homes. Quote, there has to be a collaborative process, he said. It can't be something that's imposed by the law or imposed by one party or another, because nursing facilities are communities, and you have to be mindful of the rights of all the residents, of all the employees and the family members. And the only way to make it a collaborative process is to give control to the entity that has the ultimate liability, and that's the nursing facility, end quote. Udaily, however, says it makes no sense to give control of the monitoring to the people you're trying to monitor. She says she believes privacy is not the nursing home's real concern, and that this is instead about accountability. Another word for privacy is common sense. I don't want to watch your grandmother go to the bathroom. Do you want to watch your Uncle George or your grandpa take a shower? I mean, and then to scare the people, well, this could go on the internet. Really? Okay. There you go. (laughs) But always, and the nursing homes don't like that word accountability at all. I can tell you that. They don't like that. In the 2018 legislative session, Voice advocated against the industry-approved version of the bill that would have given nursing homes ultimate control over camera installation and operation. For the 2019 session, Udaily and the other advocates are reaching out to other representatives to sponsor the bill, but Udaily says she's still thankful for McDaniel because the issue wouldn't have been noticed without him. McDaniel did not respond to multiple calls to his cell phone for comment. In an interview with the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, He explained that he believed passing a bill that gave the nursing home's power over the cameras was, quote, better than nothing, end quote, because he knew the industry would be opposed to anything else. Then later, he told the Post-Dispatch, once the nursing homes are willing to work on the issue again, someone could get that law changed to allow families to have control. If Udaily's bill gets sponsored this session, it will be the fifth year that a camera bill enters the legislative process, but she's been trying to make it happen since 2010. She says it gets frustrating, but she has no choice but to I continue on. I get frustrated when I know that what I'm doing is for the good, and some people just are all political, and there's no way you're going to change them. I, I hate it when you somebody's not willing to even meet you halfway. They've made up their mind already. So frustration is something you can get over. I mean, if you want to stay frustrated, you can, but it doesn't hurt anybody but yourself. Udaily says she has to be hopeful for the bill's chances of success every year in order to avoid getting burnt out. She's especially hopeful this year because of the potential that newly elected representatives bring to the table. After she became heated in that committee meeting back in March, Udaily says she felt like she let Fonda Donovan and the other advocates down by letting her anger get the best of her. She had assumed the committee members were turning their backs on her and her husband, but she hadn't realized they didn't actually know her story. She says she sent a letter to each of the committee members, explaining what happened to her husband and apologizing for her behavior. She's still angry, but she doesn't want this to be about her. For you daily, this is about the nursing home residents still being abused every day, and it's about the government the Missourians have elected to ensure their protection. When you're in a cemetery, and you hear the bagpipes play what he wanted, that's what he wanted. And you hear, you hear the people talking about everything, and I say to myself, you know, I have the flag, 
I had my husband for 52 years. There's nothing more to say. It's over for him. It's gone. It's done. You know, in one way or another, he's gone. He's not coming back. But I have to stand up for the people that still are here and that I know in my heart are going to suffer from somebody with an anger issue that comes into the room and takes advantage of somebody that can't stand up for themselves. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out the other episodes in this series. We have stories on university students working to get their peers' mental health needs covered, and on a group of lawmakers continuing a 20-year fight to ensure protections for LGBTQ Missourians. You can find all the podcasts at ColumbiaMissourian.com, including a list of sources for each one. This episode was reported by Camden Jones and produced and edited by me, Kate Bagley. Sky Chatty is our supervising editor. Year After Year is a co-production of the Columbia Missourian and KBIA. From Columbia, Missouri, I'm Kate Bagley.